Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. are you doing my friend it's like we never left baby the soccer season the best part about being a soccer fan is the sport is not gone forever really basically it never ends we had women's world cup in between our little break we weren't podcasting it but we were watching it we were watching Messi go to enter miami but now the premier league is back it's gonna be interesting and i cannot wait to talk about it and do another year of this with you Oh, I am so excited. I transferred myself out of Texas to Virginia. That was the biggest transfer that happened uh, over the summer, as far as I know, until Harry Kane actually moves to Bayern Munich later today. Uh, I got to say that leaving Texas for for Virginia was like Kova, leaving that massive Chelsea mess, and then heading right over to the Shangri-La that has Man City. That's how I feel. I am back home. I'm in a legal wagering state. I have my friends. Let's I have go. my family. And I had no longer have to talk to anybody besides my phone to get in my bet. So I could not be more over the moon about gambling on this upcoming Premier League seasons. I will say, though, there is one downside. Uh, I don't know if you're a geography major. In moving from Texas to Virginia, I did move 1500 miles closer to england so my family is in way more danger of being randomly clattered on the Ooh. street by harry Maguire at any given time we are 1500 yeah. miles closer to being depleted by that bumbling fool particularly now that he's in london he's in south uh he's in south england it's even more yeah. dangerous yeah you gotta watch out for that man those uh back heel scorpion kicks to the face that paul Pogba took from him that's no joke <laughs> i don't want to see your daughters get hurt so you you need to be dad of the year here and watch out for any Harry Maguire sightings. Well, I was able to attend because I moved. I was able to attend the Chelsea East Coast tour in person with my family. So my heart is full. My blood is blue and my picks are more biased than ever. I'm sure you guys can't wait to hear them. <laughs> Toby biased about Chelsea. What newfangled thing is going to go on this year? <laughs> well, there might be some newfangled things this year, Brett. We're we're thinking about doing some format changes. We decided that for this first week that we wanted to talk so much about the Premier League teams and their upcoming season and, and futures and things like that. There wasn't time for anything new, but I think we might uh, we might head out to the continent this year a little bit. We might get out of our comfort zone of just talking about the same six teams every week and go international, jump on a Ryanair flight over to Germany or Spain every once in a while. I don't mind that. I, I like to. I would like the idea of our show traveling. I mean, we'll be in the same spot, but our show traveling and touching other places, that sounds great to me. Cool. Well, we do have a lot to get through this week uh, because we do want to talk about the league in general, not just this week's games. One note up front, I think season previews done on August 10th are ridiculous uh, because the transfer <laughs> window still has three more weeks and some of the heaviest activity has yet to come. And so the idea that the odds are what they are today versus what they're going to be on September 1st, even with a couple of rounds of action in the books, uh, I just always like to wait until September unless I want to speculate on the transfer that are to come but if Mbappe ends up on some random Premier League team on a one season loan just because of the debacle that's happening in Paris like obviously that's going to have a massive shift on the odds and we don't know if that's going to happen or not until the window closes so we are going to do our best bets as of today but if you like throw this back in my face in May and there's somebody something like that happens I'm going to laugh at you because it's such a joke yeah, I mean, and and the other thing too about this window is there has been some some developments, especially if Spurs get some late money for Kane, there will be the panic buys, our favorite kind of transfers, the panic buys. So oh, as, a, as a Chelsea fan, I'm very, very, very familiar <laughs> with the panic buy. I have watched Kepa uh, failed to claim, I don't know, 10,000 crosses in my life <laughs> because of Courtois heading down to Real Madrid and making us buy that guy in the last second. And, oh, Courtois blowing out his knee. It couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I wasn't even where snakes had knees. Did you know that? Oh, man, the bitterness. The, the animosity still has deep roots. 
Oh, yeah. leave Chelsea in a lurch and Toby Mergler will hate you forever. Yeah, well, leaving him in a lurch is going to leave De Gea in the Real Madrid net this year. It's going to be glorious to watch. No wonder I want to head to the continent. I want to watch that guy <laughs> try to uh, win them a Champions League with all that other talent and then having a five-cent piece in the net. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this is the this will be the fun of journeying to the other places. You're going to get all the random, oh, that's where that guy wound up type of things, and I can't wait for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's just dive right into it, Brett. So uh, we're going to go through in time order, but in each game, as we walk through a big six team, we will also discuss their season prospects. So this means we're going to start at Burnley versus Manchester City. This game is, uh, we're recording this on Thursday, and this game is Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern for the big Friday night kickoff for the Premier League season. City is minus 350. Our good friends at Caesars has Burnley at plus 950, and the draw is plus 430. City minus a goal and a half is minus 120. Burnley is minus 110 on that adjusted line. So starting with the season prospects, Brett, uh, changed my mind that the single best bet of all futures right now is City to win the league at minus 135. Will we have an opportunity to see it this low again? Or is this just, like we always say, they are an inevitable, they are the Borg, they are going to continue to rack up win after win after win as long as Pep is there and as long as they have this incredible uh, roster of players that are playing in the most fluid, dynamic, adjusting system there is in the world. And just before you answer that question, uh, Um, The ins and outs this year, it was pretty minimal. Uh, So far right now, they lost their captain, Gundogan. KDB takes the armband, and they lost Mares. But in comes Kova from Chelsea to slide right into that Gundogan role. And then they go out and sign arguably the most desirable young center back in the world and Josko from from Croatia, who is already dominant and is, you know, what, 21, 22, to go next to Diaz and Stones and Ake and all their other embarrassment of riches. So they just reloaded. They uh, are just... the best team in the entire world. They're coming off a historic treble and they're only minus 135 versus the league. I've already had my ticket in, but did I waste my money? I mean, it's, you can't, I mean, you can't get a bet against city. I mean, if you just took it like wide trends, look at the number of years that city has won the title in the last decade. You're, you're going to be winning money off a minus 135. If you just bet it that way. I mean, it's the thing that's always sticks to me about them is like every year it seems like we come in and there's a city issue, right? You know, first it was like, I mean, just in recent history, it was like, you know, first Fernandinho, what what if he winds down and they lose that presence in the defensive midfield? Then Rodri sets in, Kyle Walker takes on this new role. They're fine. They roll on, they win titles. Then Kyle Walker is kind of, he might, he might end up going to Byron. He might end up signing a contract. He didn't play much last year, was hurt and kind of phased out by this new system. So, but so he was the irreplaceable guy that got replaced. And, you know, now it's going to be someone like Gundogan, right? Like, is Kobe going to be able to step right into his shoes? Uh, Pep just finds a way. You know, it's like the Jeff Goldblum thing. Like, life finds a way. Pep just finds a way to create a juggernaut. You know, Vardial could play Gundogan's role for all I know. Like, who knows at this point and turn him into another juggernaut. So uh, it's, I think the the interesting question that you asked isn't, are they going to win the title? It's that, is this going to be the lowest you're going to get City at this year? Which, you know, looking at the Community Shield, they played a really conservative thing. There's like 16 total shots. They basically played four center backs. It was like the pep version of a Stoke City team, which was odd. <laughs> um, you know, so it's it's one of those things where, you know, maybe like pep learns some of the wrong lessons or is in this feeling out process. I don't know if minus 135 will be the lowest. I think it's a good bet to take. I think it's good you have your ticket in. I'm not sure if it's going to be the lowest, especially because some of these teams like United, who have a very strong starting 11 now, but no depth, could start off hot. A team like Liverpool, who is clearly going all in you know, on the effort, we're not going to even play defensive midfielders anymore type strategy. You know, they could get really hot and win like their first six matches on some random streak of variance and, and buck the odds a little bit more in City's favor. But they're inevitable, man. They're Thanos. It's All right, let me, let me ask a different question. With Guardiol in there, and they have Guardiol, Diaz, Akanji, Aki, and then if they park Stones and Rodri in front of them, are they going to give up a historical low goal total this year? 
Uh, that was a thought that went through my head. It's like, this is going to be an even better defensive side than last year. And after they made that switch, they were the best defensive side in the world, um, I yeah. believe, or, or top two. Um, like they, they completely suffocated teams. This was like that six months Tuchel run with Chelsea, right? They, I mean, they weren't allowing shots. They weren't allowing good chances. Um, if Ederson wasn't in goal, although he definitely came around that Champions League final to make me look like an idiot, uh, which is not hard, but he did. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what we're going to see is I think we're going to see a super conservative city team that just completely shuts down opponent chances. Um, and again, that could lead to like a weird string of draws early in the yeah. year. But I do believe that like their Pep's best players all trend towards being like center backs or more defensive sided players. Like even Kova, he's not a like for like for Gunduan, right? You know, yeah. you've watched Koba for years. Like Gundogan, by the end of his career, was almost playing like a supporting striker. You know, yeah. getting into the box, making runs, having all those great finishes towards the end of the year. Koba's not that. Koba's going to help you hold possession. He's going to move the ball up the field. And that in itself means more control, more solidity. The thing that Pep craves is worst fears and counterattacks. So uh, they're going to be an interesting new side. It's going to be really, really fascinating to see what end of the spectrum like they end up kind of leaning towards with all this kind of defensive possession talent. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction right now that the most common bet on this show, besides me picking Chelsea to win blindly, is uh, Manchester City clean sheet wins. I think yeah. Manchester City clean sheet wins you are going to hear on this show week after week after week because they have Holland to get one in, and then they're just going to suffocate games down. And who the heck's ever going to score against that? I think they're going to let it – I think they'll let in 15 goals or less this year is like actually a realistic number, which is yeah. a sickening thing to say. Like it's a sickening thing to say that they have the world's number one goal producer up top and then we think they might let in less than 15 goals on the other side i i I think the only other question about them is we went through and i'm sure we'll talk about this all year we went through last year especially as they ended up with the treble i mean they faced challenges along the way were they the best club side in england history and are they better this year are we now watching the best club side in english history because are they even better than they were last year which i think is a distinct Uh, possibility such a depressing question in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it's a real possibility. I don't I don't know for sure if they are. Um, but, you know, you add Vardy all to one of the best teams in English history. Uh, you get, you know, sort of a capable replacement in Gunduan. You know, they might still bring in some some more talent. Um, uh, Paqueta from West Ham has been West linked Ham. to your own. Yeah. Michael Olise from Crystal Palace, who I'm a big fan of. He's been linked to kind of replace Mares. Like, we haven't even talked about Phil Foden, who's still on the team and still one of the most dynamic young attacking players. Yeah, or Grealish. I mean, like, it's just, it's embarrassing. Yeah. And their second best player, I brought up because he's wearing the captain's armband, but they still have KDB, who is the greatest uh, goal-creating midfielder, arguably, in the world. Like, this, uh, all right. Well, <laughs> yeah. let's not start off the show on like this depressing doom and of an ability. Let's move on to exciting things. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, they are playing recently promoted Burnley and their old captain, Vincent company in the first game. Uh, give me city on the adjusted line, minus one and a half at minus minus one twenty. This is like one of those lines where in the reverse fixture six months from now or four months from now, whatever it is, this could be minus two and a half. It'd still be like minus one fifty. So I think that you're getting a big discount right now because it's just early in the season and they haven't seen it happen yet. Uh, so I'm absolutely taking the adjusted line and I'm going to take a, uh, parlay, same game parlay of Holland scoring and city scoring more than, uh, one goal. So over the 1.5 and that gets it down to minus 125 because I don't see a game. I guess I recently relegated a score where Holland starts and he doesn't score. And I don't see them. I don't see him being the only one on the score sheet. So at minus 125, I know it's not a plus number, but it's close enough to even odds or something that I see as like happening eight out of 10 times. Yeah. I mean, the, the question I really have is we don't know much about how Burnley is going to react to moving up a division. So you mentioned company has been their manager. He completely, and this is not the same old Burnley, by the way, not only are they owned by JJ Watt now, well, he's part owner, um, but this is a, a completely different style. This is not the sit back, low block, four, four, two company went right off the Arteta thing. He, you know, plays for Pep, then starts to try to build this like possession centric, high pressing side 
they're going to be more aggressive. Um, but the test for these teams coming out of the championship now is like you can play that way in the championship and it's going to help you raise your chances of moving up to the next level. That's like that's how good teams win leagues. They they play that way. They hold on to the ball. They suppress chances. They create chances. But playing that way with a huge talent gap and to to kind of put in perspective the talent gap, Sander Burge, who <laughs> uh, they just required from Sheffield United. A per transfer market is their most expensive player at 20 million. He had 11 goal involvements in the championship last year. That's their most expensive player on Burnley. So I feel like this could be like a dog walk thing where city just comes in and pummels them. My only reservation, the reason that I would, I'm actually going to take Burnley with the goals is like, I think we're going to get this weird thing with pep where they're, they're just going to try to suffocate And we're going to get these games where he gets a goal and then they don't really necessarily pile on the chances, especially like the lineup that they came out with in the community shield was super conservative. It's very, they have a ton of talent, but it's an incredibly conservative lineup. Whenever you play Bernardo Silva as a winger, his whole thing has been to pop up in the box to take big chances, maybe once a game, but he's a ball winner, defensive presser. He's closing down everybody like crazy. This could be a match where they Holland gets your one goal and then they just recycle possession for the rest of the match. So I oh actually God. am going to take Burnley with the goals and I'm going to take the under of two and a half because right. I think this is this smells very much like an 80 percent possession game where City win like one or two now. Right, you know we're, we're live, right? We're recording like this isn't practice. Yeah, I'm like aware. You're, you're, no, my you're, you're aware is that. You, you're aware that this is this isn't like a pilot that we're shooting for somebody else. You're aware <laughs> that you just took recently promoted Burnley over the treble winning Manchester City with the dominant side with the at, spread at, at plus one and a half goals at only minus one ten. Like you would have had to give me plus two fifty to take the bet you just did. You just took it at a negative number. I am embarrassed for you, but I am excited to be hammered this entire season off of the five fight pickoff that you are going to pay me week after week. If this is the tone center, if this is the tone center of you taking Burnley over Manchester city, I don't know why you turned your mic and camera on today. Uh, Do you remember though, that in one of our first shows, I took Watford over United and you remember what happened there? Do you remember what happened there? But I also remember the one. I remember the 90 other picks. You got completely wrong. (laughs) Trying to be too cute and trying to over read formations. Forget about those. In Forget a freaking community shield. Like, did you watch you the, uh, on the one? Did you watch the Hall of Fame game and you learned a lot about how the Jets are gonna operate in week eight of the season? Like it's preseason. <laughs> Who gives a crap about the community shield? It's a place that the I wouldn't only, even it's eat the off only of. data point that we have. It's oh the only gosh. data point that we have with some of the new faces in the city line. I'll tell you what, I'm moving our break up. I'm moving our break up so you can go get a drink of water and check yourself for a concussion. So we will be right back <laughs> and uh we will cover the other four games because he needs to take a knee. Why should you bet with Caesar Sportsbook? Two words, Caesar's Rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app, it's an empire. You must be 21 and older and physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. No one stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem, Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania. If you or someone you know has a problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or maryland visit mdgamblinghelp.org or west virginia visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP colorado dc nevada wyoming kansas call 1-800-522-4700 indiana call 1-800-9-WITH-IT iowa call 1-800-BETS-OFF louisiana call 1-877-770-STOP Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW York or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, we are back, and he is out of the tent. Uh, he's been cleared. He's been. He's going to be allowed to continue. He's okay. They put the magic. Might be, it might be like a Tua clear though, where I'm cleared, but I'm still clearly concussed. <laughs> still, still wobbling. They put the magic spray on his brain, and he promised yeah. me he would not give another bad pick. Do you find folks out there who work so hard for your money fade this guy? I'm telling you, he's the new Spurs. Uh, so <laughs> next, we're going to head over to Arsenal. Spurs. Oh <laughs> man! All right. Let's go to the next one. I got to redeem myself. All right, let's go. All right. So if you're ready to go, Brett, uh, we're going to Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest. This game is Saturday at 7.30 a.m. And Arsenal is minus 540. Forest is plus 1,400. The draw is plus 550. Caesars adjusted the heck out of this line. Arsenal minus two and a half is all the way up to plus 135. And Forest is at minus 175. So Arsenal made a hell of a run at the season uh, at the title last year. They kind of saved our season by making competitive all the way into late April and almost into May. Uh, they reloaded pretty heavily, Brett. They added Declan Rice. They added Kai Havers. They added Jury and Timber. The only major piece they lost was uh, Xhaka. So they look like a stronger side this year. And I think the big question that we have to ask ourselves is, did they overperform so much last year in keeping close to City that reloading only allows them to kind of stay even at best? Or was their form last year indicative of where they will be? And lo- adding these extra pieces means we will see another competitive title race how say you I, I mean i think it's gonna be what we talked about last year um it's gonna be they could maintain the same level or even bump it up a little bit with the new additions but the extra fixture load like that's what the one thing that was missing last year's they didn't have i mean the champions league and the champions league is going to be the priority games like are they they're going to be priority games they're not going to be some of these europa games where you can throw out a starting 11 that is like six guys from your academy and every once in a while. Um, so that's, what's going to be interesting. And, and Declan Rice in particular is one of the most fascinating signings of the summer because he's clearly come from a lot of hype. You know, you, you had talked about him early on about Chelsea, bringing him home. He's on the English national team. He's in the starting 11 there, but like we've never seen him operate in this type of possession, heavy side ever. Yeah. So I don't even know. I mean, I think Declan Rice maybe in a vacuum is a good player. The question is going to be, is he a good player for Arsenal that pushes them to another level so that it can maintain performance? And my take on this is I don't think so. And that's not necessarily even an indictment against Rice. It's almost an indictment against all the big midfielder signings that we've seen in the past few years that haven't moved the needle for any team. Yeah, I mean, it is really interesting, right? Like Declan Rice is the exact type of player that when I was doing the show with you two years ago and I was just sitting on the couch and not, you know, critically thinking about it to the, not that I'm a great thinker now, but I just have to think more about it and prepping for the show and talking with you every week and you've raised my level and those sorts of things that like two years ago, I'm like, oh, Declan Rice, 100 mil. He's the captain of West Ham, English international, absolutely worth it. He can make any side so much better. But two years later, I'm like 100 mil to Arsenal? I don't know about that. I don't know if that was the best way for them to uh, spend that money and, and kind of fill the hole that they think that they have. So I am fascinated to see how it plays out. I will say I am fully prepared for Kai Havertz to go reverse Ashley Cole, like uh, going from Chelsea to Arsenal in his prime and becoming just an absolutely key piece for them. He was so talented coming out of Germany. He scored the Champions League winning goal and then Chelsea freaking ruined him. They played him out of position. They kept changing the managers. They kept changing the tactics. He's extraordinarily skilled and him sitting in more of a midfielder role that's going to make some attacking runs late and, and help them in that regard versus trying to lead the line and being a target man, which he never was. I think he's going to justify his fee and I think he's going to turn out to be the player for Arsenal that Chelsea thought they were buying um, from from Leverkusen three years ago. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a, it's one of the, it's one of the most fun. You know, we 
you see a lot of transfers and you don't really see anything that's like super interesting or innovative in any way, shape or form. You know, team needs a striker, buys a striker. Team needs a center back, buys a center back. You don't really get a lot of what's going on with Havertz at Arsenal, right? You don't get a player who was playing as basically a nine towards the end of his career at Chelsea, maybe a little bit on the wing here and there. And then, you know, Mikel Arteta is like, you're going to be an eight. You know, you're going to you're going to play this like granite Jaka role where our fullbacks play more conservative and, and you're going to be the guy that kind of maybe provides some width or gets into the box. Um, so it's it's a very interesting concept to see them not not just do this with like some random player or an academy kid or whatever, but like a huge transfer signing. Like there's a lot of money invested in Kai Havertz in a in a sort of a new role. Um, that I, I think it's going to be, it's kind of fun. Like I'm at, I, it's like props to Arteta and Arsenal to kind of give us this interesting kind of chemistry experiment, not only with Declan Rice, but, but with Havertz in the new role. So I, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I mean, we haven't really seen this big of a transfer, at least in terms of monetary value that was coming with a predetermined position switch of this type of, of of difference, you know, going from a number nine to basically being a central midfielder. Yeah, because no other club in the world is as dumb as Chelsea to play him out of position for so long. And so, like, this is the <laughs> type of role he's always should have played. And it's a switch back to his nat- more natural state. And, like, it better fits his skill set. He's going to bring a lot of energy. He'll be able to win the ball back and press. And then he'll be able to make uh, late runs. And, like, um, almost like I know he's not playing second striker, but filling some of that second striker space, just like he did when he was 20 years old and was the next generational talent. So I love that signing. I like it a lot more. More than the Declan Rice signing, I'm a little afraid. But even there, even then, I just don't see any value in their future numbers. They're plus 450 to win. They're minus 275 to finish top four. So I wouldn't take either of those. I think they're nope. more likely to finish third than first. Like I think they're more likely to slightly backslide than take that leap to take over City. And so, like, I wouldn't play the 450, but I, they're they're so talented, and with with Saka and Jesus and Odegaard and their new arrivals and all the guys that they're building on from last year, I don't see any way they slide out of the top four. So I'm not touching the Arsenal futures market. Yeah, I'm I'm with you too, just because I still have concerns about the depth. Um, there's just not a a lot there at different spots and key spots, and we saw what happened when Salvo went out last year and Rom Holden had to come into the lineup. That was they're basically their their mini slump that cost them the title. Um, so it's that's going to be a huge question for them, and it will make me very leery about Arsenal futures. Well, on Saturday morning for the Nottingham Forest game, uh, I'm going with Forest. I'm I'm pulling you with a Burnley. I'm taking Forest at minus 175 because I'm getting two and a half goals. And also, they're not one of the greatest club teams to ever lace them up like City is. I I still don't know if you looked at the City roster before you made your pick. I don't know if you – do you even watch soccer? Do you study soccer? No, I, I, it's there? literally – it's. It's just FIFA. I don't actually watch um, the actual games. So, and, and I, I mean, I don't know if he's going to play on Saturday, but like, hey, I like the vibes out of Forest. We're signing our guy Matty Turner. We're about to have an American number one between the pipes in the Premier League, which is going to be really exciting. It comes back to the Tim Howard days that we're going to be able to watch the guy applying his trade every week. And I also like the signing of Alonga. So I'm not saying that they're going to go out and win this game, but I could I could absolutely see them getting on the board once. And then you need Arsenal to score four in order to cover that line. And that seems like a lot to ask for the first day of the season. Yeah, I I'm the same boat as you. And and Turner, it's 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 good that you brought up Turner because he's actually going to be the main driving force behind why I think that that's going to be the best play. The Forest's goalkeepers, they rotated through a few last year, gave up eight goals over expectation last year. Matt Turner, at least statistically, is one of the best shot stoppers in world football. It's just if you look if you have any value in post shot xg I have his MLS numbers up. He saved four and a half goals above expectation in 2018. He saved nine goals above expectation in 2019, eight in 2020, seven in 2021. This dude prevents the ball from going into the back of the net. Now, you can have all your questions that you want about quality of MLS and finishing chances and post-shot XG does kind of take some of those things into account. But if they go from a swing of a goalkeeper that goalkeepers that give up extra goals to a goalkeeper that prevents a ton of extra goals. That's a huge shifting, possibly relegation avoiding swing. 
if they brought Turner in, they're committed to Turner being the number one for them. So two and a half goals for an Arsenal team that took eight shots against City in the Community Shield. That's going to have all these different weird parts that are going involved or, you know, trying to be integrated in their lineup. That's a lot. I, I like your logic. It's the first game of the year. There's a lot of change. Forest have a clear, quick, immediate upgrade that doesn't really need a lot of chemistry. It's going to be hard for me to see Arsenal scoring three goals consistently enough to not eat the juice on that line. Yeah, I do think they'll get at least one, though, maybe two. Uh, and I'm going to take Kai Havers to get one of them for a lot of the reasons I'm talking about. I also feel a little bit cursed in my life. So watching him come to like a a 15 goal, 15 assist guy at Arsenal this year, I think is written in the stars. Uh, so I see him coming in at the anytime goal scorer and you're getting a plus 120 on that. That's my prop for this game. How about you? Uh, I'm actually going the other direction. I am with all my Matt Turner love uh, and just the way that Arsenal is kind of the mini city in terms of their shot suppression stuff. I went, I'm going to eat the juice of minus 130 on both teams to score. No, um, mm. I think that between these, the, between these two teams with the improvements and the way that they play and all the combination of factors, I think goals are going to be at a premium in this match. Okay. All right. Well, let us head over to another game where I think goals are going to be at a premium because last year's strikers might not be in either lineup, and that is Brentford versus Spurs. This game is Sunday at 9 a.m. Spurs are plus 135. Brentford's plus 185. The draw is plus 250. Caesars put Spurs minus five at plus 130, and Brentford at minus 170 on the double chance. Oh, Spurs. Oh, Spurs, 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 Spurs. Where will Harry how much, Kane go? I don't know how much longer we're going to be talking about them. I don't know uh, if they're going to be a standard on the show going forward because I don't know if they belong in the top six if Mr. Harry Kane is no longer in the lineup. And the rumors are flying fast and furious right now. We're taping this at 3 Eastern. So by the time we get off, uh, by the time we get off the mics here, he might be at Bayern. He might be running down his contract at Spurs. I've never heard anything about him signing an extension. And what is this team without their talisman? I mean, what are they? Like, are you really like going to get really pumped up about watching your boy Richarlison lead the line every year? And what is Son without Kane? I mean, is there anybody who's more dependent on another player in the league in terms of the creativity that uh, Kane provides and that the spaces he occupies and the attention he draws than Son? Like, I know I want to fade Spurs. I also want to fade Son specifically. I think that is setting. If Kane goes I have no interest in this team whatsoever, except for betting against them each and every week. And the only replacements they have so far, because they haven't been able to panic spend that that hundred mil that might be coming in. James Madison's good. Like I think that was a, a good addition. They uh, got Kulishevsky, my guy, on a, on a full time basis instead of a loan. And then Mickey Vandewan. But if they lose Kane, I don't. There's nobody this late in the market they can replace him with because he's what second or third best striker in the world. I mean, he's certainly top five. Nobody's going to replace that production. They might as well lose Son as well, and then you just have a maniac up top where you're depending on all your goals. Like I don't, I don't see a single positive line for the Spurs in the futures. I would take they're plus four thousand to win. Their top four is plus three fifty. Their top six is plus one thirty. And I will tell you, Brett, this morning I put in negative Spurs bets. Just I had to own the ticket. I put in a unit on not to finish top six. That's minus 160. So that's basically saying um, Newcastle or Brighton or even Aston Villa will finish ahead of them as long with the rest of like the, the top six. Um, and then I went I went all the way not to finish top 10 season from hell. Chelsea last year. Finishing the bottom half of the table, I've got a, I've got a piece of a unit at plus four seventy that they slide all the way to eleventh or twelfth. I am out on them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the way to go because you know we we I, you know I'm not going to pile onto the the Harry Kane stuff, um, but you have another managerial change, and so there's two ways of, of to go about this. Some teams like the the Red Bull teams, uh, you know Leipzig and, and all them they'll have a certain system, right? This aggressive, high-pressing system. And then they'll bring in these managers, you know, from the New York team, they'll move them up to Austria, and then they'll move them over to, to Red Bull in Germany. Um, and it's like one of those things where you have a system, then you just bring a manager in to coach that system. That's one way to do it. Or there's like the Brighton-Brentford way, where they're so good at player recruitment, and we'll talk about Brighton in a little bit, that you can 
kind of just find undervalued managers, let them bring their style, let them arrange the players because they're always going to find players that are just going to fit and then they'll find managers that add value. So Spurs do neither of those things. And they're going from Antonio Conte, who is kind of still in that old school Italian. They know they were not aggressive pressing. They didn't want possession of the ball. Like none of those things. Uh, to Ange Pastacoglu, who comes over from Celtic, and this dude is the complete antithesis of Conte. That Celtic team last year were maniacs pressing. They didn't hold back even in the Champions League. They gave up like five goals to Madrid because they just didn't take their foot off the gas. But they're going to try to they're going to play a back four. They're going to try to create high turnovers. So you're not only getting a team that's figuring out what may life may be life without Harry Kane. You're getting a team that for the last few years was built specifically to play this kind of conservative back three with wingbacks. And now you're transitioning to this aggressive, high-pressing 4-2-3-1. And it's like those things in itself, that transition came aside. Transitioning like that in itself are things that got clubs like Everton from middle of the pack to relegation candidates every year. Yep, It's hard to believe that that's not going to happen to Spurs. You know, Daniel Levy's done some good things for the club, but like you can't say that this there is this continuity where they have these replacement plans in place. They don't. They're still very much. And and Levy even said like publicly this summer, he wanted to kind of do a brighter Brighton Brentford model of player recruitment. So that's not in place. So this could get ugly in a number of ways for Spurs. Fade Spurs. It was the unofficial slogan. Be of the name of the podcast. Really. It was yeah. the unofficial slogan last year. And it has accelerated. I am reaching into my wallet and, and tapping on my phone faster than ever to execute on that strategy. It is, it is nuts what's happening there. I mean, I know they haven't won a trophy in a long time, so they're going to keep their same consistent level, but this is starting to get sad. In terms yeah. of the game this weekend against Brentford, they're also going to be missing Ivan Tony, who's going to be out for a really long time. I don't know where the goals are going to come from, but I do know that I, I there's no world in which I back the Spurs. So I'm, all, I'm going to take Brentford on the double chance at minus 170. Uh, but more importantly, I'm going to take the under two and a half goals at a plus number. It is plus one Oh five at under two and a half, which I had to, I had to actually check twice to make sure that I didn't have it reversed. And that was going to be the favorite. I just don't see either of these teams having substantial firepower. And I feel perfectly fine getting a damp squid of zero, zero, one, zero, or one, one. Yeah. I, I mean, Brentford is going to, I mean, the, the loss of Tony is going to be huge for Brentford. But they're going to find a way. I mean, this is the team that just gets things done in the aggregate and the collective. Um, they just do a good job of basically taking. I mean, they took some of the best shots in the Premier League last year. Um, you know, despite not having top end talent, they're great at set pieces. They're great at making opponents shoot from bad locations. Just all the kind of bare bones, low hanging fruit things that all soccer teams should be doing. They excel at it. And so, I'm not only taking the money line. I'm actually taking them uh, to win and both the scores. So everything is going to with me on this slate is going to be Brentford winning. Um, but the the money line you already mentioned plus one sixty five. But Brentford to win and both teams to score is going to be plus three seventy five because like we talked about wow, with Pastacoglu, this is not going to be a sit back and Brentford's going to nick a one nil thing in the Antonio Conte era. Uh, Spurs are going to go down swinging. <laughs> and if that press ain't functioning right, there could be lots of goals this game. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. I see it differently, but that's what makes the show fun. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break and give our sponsors a little chance to uh, reach out to you guys. And then we'll be back with the actual game of the week, which is Chelsea versus Liverpool. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, we are back and we have a top six banger to start out the first weekend. I am so excited to watch this game, which is words you have not heard out of my mouth in a really long time. For those of you who are fans of the show, you knew I was being talked off of a blue ledge for most of the last uh, six months of last year. But 
Good Vibes FC is back. We have had a massive squad clear out, and we have a bunch of new names to talk about. And we also have a fascinating Liverpool team to talk about. These are the two teams that were definitely the most disappointing uh, last season versus preseason expectations. And we got a tone setter right out the gate. It's Sunday morning at 11.30 a.m. Liverpool is plus 140. Chelsea is plus 180. The draw is plus 250. Pool minus half a goal is plus 130. Chelsea is minus 170 on the double chance. So, Brett, let's actually start with Liverpool, even though I'm dying to talk about Chelsea. I'm going to show some restraint. Uh, Liverpool, their odds this year are win to win is plus 700. The top four is minus 200. The top six is minus 600. And then if you want to go the other way, it's going to be another disappointing year. Outside the top four is plus 120. Their major ins, and we worked on this before the show, and I can't wait to still get it wrong, is Zobolaskai, which is a, is a mouthful. I'm saying it like I'm, I have marbles in my mouth. I can look at the, the Google pronunciation 2,000 times and still get it wrong. Uh, and also Zobolaskai. Soboslide. 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 And I'm probably getting it wrong too, but at least that's what the internet tells me it's pronounced like. Um, Soboslide and then McAllister, who came over from Brighton, but people also might remember from the Argentinian World Cup victory. And then the outs, I mean, some real, like, long, long in the tooth Liverpoolians here Fabinho, Henderson, Firmino, Milner, and Keita, all gone. So. Just like Chelsea, they had some real turnover of the old guard, but unlike Chelsea, they didn't go completely insane and sign 10 new people to jam into the locker room. How are you viewing Liverpool this year? Uh, as the most interesting team in the Premier League, uh, yeah. full stop. They, I mean, they may end up with uh, Caicedo at some point. That's now a thing that's going to happen after pretty much the entire summer of them being out on Caicedo. Uh, I think that's probably linked to Romeo Labia's asking price, just like going through the roof. Um, but as of right now, their clear identity is to play Curtis Jones as kind of their deepest lying midfielder. They're going to bring in McAllister and Sobo Sly, who are excellent as far as number eights go or, or eight tens or whatever that position is now are excellent pressers. They are going to basically try to stop every single shot from coming in from the front. But once it gets past that front line of pressers, oh boy, <laughs> things are going to get interesting. They gave up, uh, I think, the highest shot total per uh, or the highest XG total per shot last year. I don't see that changing, but they may they may start being one of the most fun and exciting teams to watch in world football. They may be playing constant 4-3, 5-2, type matches with this type of things. It may be a whole like reduction back to top uh, clock going back to the heavy metal teams he had in Dortmund. I think it, it, it's going to lower their floor considerably. They could win the league or they could finish seventh. Yeah. That's their range of outcomes. And the, and I would not, I would literally not bat an eyelash at either. The, yeah. All of these things could click or they could all fall apart. One outcome, the, either outcome is totally on, on the board. Well, the name you threw out at the beginning is why it's so stupid to talk about uh, all these odds before the transfer window closes. Because Casado is subject to competition between Liverpool and Chelsea. And either side's uh, projections in terms of where they're going to finish in the table will take a noticeable bump if either side are able to land them. And if any, if if Casado is baked into Chelsea's odds or Liverpool odds at all already and they don't land them, then they could slide and you could get value. Because it's interesting that the guys, you know, Casado is like a great defender and also good. Uh, passer and ball progressor. So he's kind of rare in a midfield prof uh, profile, but you're still saying they might play four, three, six, two games. And you think they're going to have them. So what are you going to think of have when he ends up in blue uniform? Cause I just refreshed the news while you were talking and he cleared out his locker five days ago, allegedly, and it's sitting in London right now waiting for him to sign his Chelsea contract. So we'll see Oh, there's so much crap falling around, which by the way is why this is the funnest sport in the world. Cause who the hell knows if that's true. It's like yes. the best parts of the NBA. Like when they're like, you know, I have the plane trackers at midnight on july 1st and things like that but it's happening 365 days a year but either way like i don't know where he's going to end up i do agree with you at, at their range of outcomes and how fascinating they are so let me ask you a question what do you think is the better value bet winning the entire league and unseating arsenal chelsea and united and everybody else at plus 700 or falling outside the top four at plus 120 
think the plus 120 falling outside I do the top too. four. I do and too. the reason being is they are definitely like just one or two injuries from this possibly really collapsing things. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold goes down. His passing is irreplaceable to them. Um, and then I think Mo Salas consistently in terms of his balance of, of chance creation and shot quality, you know, Yota is not that type of player. Nunez is not that type of player. Gakpo is not that type of player. If one of those two has an injury, that could be curtains for them in terms of their top four chances. Okay. So, yeah, I agree completely. I think it's going to be interesting watching TAA this year stop pretending he's a defender and finally move into midfield, at which point I will change my opinion on him. My opinion is tied to his position as a fullback, not in terms of his ability to generate, you know, like incredible uh, goal actions up the pitch with his, I don't know, he's one of the best crossers of the ball I've ever seen in my life. So it's not that I think he's terrible. I just think he shouldn't ever find himself being one of the last lines of defense against a team that has any aspirations to bring home silverware. Um but overall, like I, I, I think that if I had to like take stock of either two player of any two players on Liverpool, one side or the other, I would love to be long on Nunez and him exceeding expectations this year. But I would be short on Van Dyke because Van Dyke already yeah. showed, showed signs of decline last year. And without Van Dyke, they haven't done anything really to reinforce the defensive side of the pitch, except for moving TAA out of the defense, which is addition by subtraction. Well, and Konate, who's going to be his partner, is not exactly like a beacon of health and durability. So there, there's so definitely – that's why the plus 120 would be the better bet in my eyes is there's a lot of either small injuries that could add up or big ones that hurt them. Yeah, so uh, like I, I, these six two four three games that you're talking about, like I think could very well be in their future, but that's not how they were winning championships two or three years ago. No. They were winning two championships with a lot of solidity on both sides of the ball and a fluid attacking heavy metal football and all that sorts of things. And I, I as uh, as Logan Roy would say about Van Dyke, you can't lean on him. He's bendy as f. Like you just cannot. You cannot rely on that guy this year like you've relied on him in the past. And so I would take the outside of the top four if those are my two options. Now, moving over to the blue side of the aisle here at Chelsea, uh, their odds, winner plus 1,200, top four plus 125, top six minus 225. I'm actually going to have to take a deep breath before I do their ins and outs. Uh, Chelsea's biggest in, in my opinion, is a new manager, Pochettino. Uh, which I've had to get over, you know, his Spurs DNA and look at more of his PSG DNA to really become comfortable with. But he said and done all the right things, and I'm 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 long on the gaffer right now. Although just like all Chelsea fans, I will sharpen my knives in a heartbeat if it doesn't look good. Uh, but in on the player side, we have Nkunku, we have Desase, we have Jackson, we have Robert Sanchez, we have Uguchukwu, we have Colwell back from loan, we have Ian Madsen back from loan, who was one of the best players in the championship last year. Um, it looks like Tyler Adams, America's captain. It looks like he is go. going to be a defensive midfield or rotation option this year. And then one of Casado or um or Lavia, and with the other one going to Liverpool. On the outs, Havertz, Mount. Kovacic, Koulibaly, Mendy, Loftus-Cheek, Conte, Aspilicueta, Pulisic, Obama-Yang, Ziyech, and God forbid Lukaku steps anywhere on any pitch in Cobham that also isn't occupied by a 15-year-old. I want him training with the youth side, and I actually want him training on one side of the pitch and the youth on the other side of the pitch so he doesn't get any of his juju on, on the next generation of Blue Stars. So that is a massive, and I mean absolutely massive overhaul of one team in one year. I don't. Think I mean, I've are you gonna let, are you gonna let our listeners know though that we are now sponsored by the Saudis because of your grat- gratitude for them? Oh, oh, you mean the Saudis who also bought Fabinho and Liver and Henderson from your beloved Liverpool? Uh, is, I mean, is they spent a lot of that money one? on some of your is players. That, is, is that is, is are those Saudis? Oh, the Saudis that are uh, putting out offers to players all over the world and not Chelsea, and that we just happen to be one of the first people to sell to them, those Saudis? Is those the ones you want to talk about? Uh, you got a lot of money for a lot of washed players. So I'll, I think I'll tell you when you the- want to talk about the Saudis is when all these guys start showing up on loan to Newcastle. In yeah. January. Then yes. we can bring them up because yeah. that is going to be the real scale. Dude, that's a whole other podcast because, man, that's going to be hilarious. But continue on. Sorry, I didn't mean to stop your train. I just had to throw that one in there. 
Yeah, so you guys know where I'm going to be. I mean, good vibes FC here. And I think one of the best parts about this season for a Chelsea fan is we have no expectation that we're going to win. We're going to be one of the youngest teams in the league, if not the youngest, if you uh, if Silva's not in the lineup. And then most, I think most critically, and this is something I sort of said at the top of the show, top four is no longer the target. Because almost certainly the fifth place Premier League team is going to get in the Champions League next year because of the expansion of the Champions League. And so if we don't have to go for top four, we have to land in top five. And we got all these kids in and we have all this uh, you know, excellent potential to wash away the bad taste of last year. I am fired up for this year. And I think they're finishing fourth or fifth. I think they will return to Europe. I think they will return to Champions League football. And I I think that we will see goals. I think we will see more of an attacking side this year. And I think it is going to be such a great uh, ride after honestly, like, uh, uh, ever since the uh, ever ever since the Abramovich stuff started happening in like January of the season prior to this, it has been a rough ride to be a Chelsea fan from a just like an emotional perspective. And I think we have turned the corner, and I think this is going to be one of the most fun years just because of the contrast to the last eighteen months. Yeah, I mean, look, what was going on at Chelsea was depressing from a league standpoint in terms of they were just an uncompetitive mess towards the end of the year. I mean, the Lampard, I mean, I don't want to get into that. We've had, we've talked about that enough. Get Frank Lampard off my Premier League pitches, please. Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be fun to just see them interesting and dynamic with some new young faces. Like I'm not a Chelsea fan, clearly. Um, and, and, I just am looking forward to seeing this. And it's going to be an interesting thing to see where Pochettino's at, right? He sort of got lucky with the exact timing of his takeovers at Southampton and Spurs, where he rode kind of like golden cores um, to pretty good success. But, you know, PSG was a disaster. Like, there's no other way to put it. Um, now, PSG is a disaster, as evidenced by the Kylian Mbappe thing. Um, but this is going to probably be the real chance for us to see, too. Like, this is not a team that's brimming with up-and-coming, like, for sh- surefire talent. There is no Harry Kane. There isn't that crazy Southampton core that he inherited with, like, a bunch of guys right in the smack dab in the middle of their primes, like Schneiderlin, Lembiana, Danny Ings, all those guys. Like, this is a team that's got a lot of unproven talent. A lot of different parts that got to fit into place, and he's gonna he's gonna show us who he is as a manager. And I'm I'm kind of interested to see what that that outcome is. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, and then for this game on Sunday, uh, come on. I mean, like I can't tell you I'm that excited and also give a non-biased pick. So everybody understand that I am betting with my heart, and you know where my heart's going to land, which is going to be on Chelsea plus 180. Um, But, you know, I stepped away from my heart, and I put in a lot of work in the offseason. I read a lot of books. I I started my own wall of spreadsheets, and I've got all the strings, and I've got, like, you know, all the stuff that you have that you stare at every every single day. And I've really learned from you for the last two years. No, 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 I didn't do any of that. Corner bat! Corner bat! Corner <laughs> bat! I what was going to happen. The 10 and a half over corners is plus 100. I think these are two sides that want to get out and show good vibes. They both had bad times last year. You've already talked about the heavy metal return of heavy metal football for Liverpool and how open they're going to be. And I think this young Chelsea team is going to be all action all the time right out the gate. I don't know how many balls are going to hit the back of the net, but I know there's going to be a wide open game with tons of transitions on both sides. And those mm-hmm. usually lead to corners. So over 10 and a half, plus 100, inject it in my vein and put it in my five pint right now. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm i excited for this one as well. Um, I mean, gosh, the, the difference between playing Chelsea this year and as compared to last year, oh, it's going to be so much more fun from just a neutral's perspective. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ride with pool. I, I'm very curious to see how this new approach works. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. They have a lot of firepower on the pitch. Um, Soboslai and McAllister are a really interesting duo as kind of a, a pair of number eights. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold is one of the best kickers of a soccer ball in the world. So I'm betting on them being the better team. You know, I, I think the plus 140 number is pretty nice for them. I kind of thought it'd be right around 100, to be honest, or like even money to take them outright. So I feel like you're getting some good juice there. Um, 
And then the other thing is, this was one of our bets from last year, and I think it's going to hold strong. Uh, pull will come from behind and win. There, yeah. These games are going to be nuts. There's going to be multiple lead changes. It's not going to be the get up a couple of goals and yeah. hold on to the 2-0 win. This is going to be like Chelsea may score like three goals in a row and Liverpool win 4-3. Yeah. So Good this shout. is going to be a lot of fun, and you're getting plus 850 for the Liverpool come from behind and win. I think that's going to be kind of a portfolio bet all season with them because of their range of outcomes in games and plus eight fifty, I mean, eight to one for them to go down at some point in this match and come back and win. Like you're kidding me, right? Yeah. Okay. That's a good shout. I'm, I, I can get behind that one for sure. All right. We uh, got one team left to talk about and that is Manchester United and they're taking on Wolves. This game is Monday at 3 PM. United is minus 310. Wolves is plus 850. The draw is plus 400. United minus one and a half is minus 110. Wolves is minus 120. All right. For Manchester United this year, I think they are behind Liverpool and Chelsea, the third most fascinating team this year. I think that they had, they take, made so many like radical steps forward under a guy that I was calling Eric 10 weeks to now you got to respect <laughs> and call him by his real name, Eric Ten Hag. He has made real nice changes there and they've showed that they have a lot of positive momentum. And they added a, a couple of, you know, really solid players this year. They got rid out of the De Gea business finally. They brought in Onana, who's an absolute madman. Uh, I don't know how much you've been watching him in preseason. He is really crazy. Great passer of the ball at the back. Huge Onana stand right here. Yeah, very fiery personality. They brought in Mason Mount from Chelsea, who I will will say that with the fee we got him and him refusing to sign a contract and him demanding like superstar money after not giving out superstar output, that wasn't the saddest I've ever been, even though he was an academy boy, especially with Reese James grabbing the captain armband now that he's gone. Uh, and you can pronounce their new striker. Give me the pronunciation on it. Uh, it's Rasmus Hoylund. 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 At I'm least that's what gonna... the video of him telling people how to pronounce his name told me. His name. I can't wait for everyone to confuse Holland and Hoylund. I don't know how they're going to mix those up. Yeah. Uh, and their only real losses were De Gea and Alanga. So like Arsenal, they're kind of adding on top of strength um, and the positive momentum they showed last year. And I'm I'm bullish on United. I can't believe I'm saying that. I've made fun of them so much since we started recording this show two years ago. But I think they're going to be a strong side this year. And their top four at minus 130, I think, is a really good bet. Their winner odds at plus 1,100 don't interest me. Their top six at minus 450 don't interest me. But that top four at minus 130, I see them right in there with uh, Arsenal and Liverpool and um, and City, obviously, as the favorites for those four spots. Well, I'm going to take a little detour here real quick. Um, I have to get this out, but let's give a shout out to Julian Lopetegui. All right. So that's the Wolves manager here. And we got to point out that this dude just left Wolves before the season. So for those of you unfamiliar with Lopetegui and the reason he's getting a shout out is he kind of made his name at Sevilla, you know, winning some Europa League things. So anybody who's paid attention to Sevilla since he left, Sevilla is still winning Europa League. So that's like an institution. But this dude continues to get jobs like the Spanish national team, Real Madrid, and now a Premier League job, which is one of the 20th best jobs in the world, despite the fact that he pretty much sucks everywhere he goes and leaves teams before the season. So I had to take a break from the the Manchester United talk just to give him a shout out because he must be doing something right behind the scenes because that's an impressive thing that you keep getting good jobs despite (laughs) not showing up for him and sucking when you do. (laughs) So. Shouts to Lopetegui. But as far as United goes, you and I are actually um, on different paths on this one. I was I was impressed with what happened last year. Ten Hag definitely exceeded expectations. I give him a lot of credit for the Ronaldo situation. He that was definitely not. I mean, it may have seemed sort of obvious in hindsight, but it definitely was not the easiest thing to do to excise him from the team. Um, But they are hugely dependent on two players, two things. That is Casemiro and Marcus Rashford both maintaining both their health and their superstar-level performance. Because Rashford has always been a very good young player. He was world-class. Maybe you could probably say broaching into the top five of attackers last year. We don't know if that's like his baseline. We don't know if Marcus Rashford is top five, right notch below Vinicius Jr. type good. Um, and Casemiro is going to be 32 at some point this season. 
he has played a ton of minutes in a ton of competitions over the year. And just the fact that they're hugely reliant on his performance in general is not something that strikes me with a ton of confidence going forward, but him maintaining that level with champions league games now coming back to, to Manchester, I'm not very bullish on them this year. Uh, they're not deep at all. Like you go any injury at any point on a, or any position that they have, you are getting to sort of a very questionable talent. So I'm kind of worried about where they're going to, well, I'm not worried because they're United. I actually don't care where they end up, but I am just going to say that I'm definitely a little skeptical of them continuing their, their path as a top four team now. Yeah, nothing is, is funnier to me than when United sucks uh, with all the money and all the history and all things like that. So trust me, like I would love for you to be right. And I'm on your side and I understand the logic. Uh, so let's let's align and hope that you're right because I would it would bring me a lot of joy, even though they got rid of Harry Maguire to still find new United whipping boys to uh to talk about on this show. So I, I hope that you are correct. For this particular Sunday, or I'm sorry, they play Monday at 3 p.m. Um on Monday, where United is minus 310, Wolves are plus 850, the draw is plus 400. United at minus a goal and a half at minus 110, like those lines. I'm going to take United on the adjusted because I'm going to dare you to take Wolves. I think Wolves are wretched, and I think this is finally the year that like regression comes for them, and they might even be relegated. In fact, I know we didn't get to it because we haven't talked about non-top six odds. My favorite non-top six bet is Wolves to be relegated at plus 225. So I am going to be fading the heck out of them until they show me a single reason not to. In fact, I'm going to fade them all the way here, and I'm going to take United win to nil at plus 110 as my prop bet. Uh, well, you're killing me, man. We're basically that's the same thing. Yeah, Wolves suck. Uh, I have the clean sheet bet as my my prop bet, and obviously taking United on the, on the spread. I just... Yeah, wolves are bad. Yeah, don't, say, I, don't say any more words. Don't say any more words. We can move on. We have the exact same thing. Wolves are so bad. And even if you're not long and united for the season, you've got to feel good about them on Monday. And yeah. I will say Rashford, if he is at that level, uh, plus 1,600 for the golden boot. Obviously, the lines are heavily adjusted because of Holland at the top. And so this is something we said last year. If Holland gets hurt, then there's tremendous value in literally every other player because um, he's sucked so much oxygen out of out of the odds. And I think if I was going to give one, it would probably be Rasher plus 1,600. Now, we do need to go because we are running long. We, we're going to hammer out the five pint. But I know you had another superstar bet that you want to throw out that didn't involve a top six team. So go ahead, Brett. Who is your other big season bet right now that we haven't talked about yet? I don't know. What, I don't even want to try to make a seagull noise, but... I'm uh, making just imagine put somebody pipe in the seagull noise right now. Uh, Brighton plus 650 to finish top four. Their young attacking talent is freaking absurd. And CISO, Evan Ferguson, they just signed kudos from IX. They have a bunch of like 20 somethings that could be primed to explode at the same time. Uh, we talked about the Zerbi, Roberto Zerbi, their manager last year, as impressing us both with his attacking, high pressing style. Um, they're good. They're legitimately a very good team. Their finish last season was not a fluke at all. They were legitimately one of the top six teams in the Premier League. We may see teams like Arsenal, United, uh, Liverpool, Spurs. All slide backwards. I have not, we have not mentioned this team, but I have not been impressed at all with Newcastle's offseason. Um, and they are now have Champions League games. There is going to be some sliding around. And this is one of the smartest teams in the football world with just a stupid collection of like under 21 attacking talent and led by maybe one of the best managers in the world. So we don't we don't know where their ceiling is because we still don't know who's going to pan out what, how good Deserby is, but six to one that they finish is one of the, the basically move up two spots from last season. I'm all over that bet. I will be fascinated to see if they can get that Casado deal done tonight or this weekend, what they spend a hundred million dollars on. Like it's not going to be yeah. one guy. It's going to be 10 guys. Nobody ever heard of that are all going to sell for 50 million or more three years right. from now. So, and, and, and that's, what's so interesting about this team. And I'll cut this out, but I have to give this thing. They have sold a bunch of midfielders. McAllister Casado is going to be out the door. Um, Basuma went to Spurs last summer. They, 
do not reinvest. The most they have spent on a midfielder was 15 million on Basuma, which they made they 2x that. And then yeah. other than that, they have not spent more than 10 million on a midfielder. They just continue to go buy super young attackers and just hope they pop. And they might have a combination this year in which they do. And somehow not give them release clauses so they could turn into rat bastards when they're negotiating. So yes. Good for them. <laughs> Tony Bloom, baby. Come sponsor the pod. All right, let's get out of here, man. So uh, for new listeners of the pod, we end every show with our five pint pickoff. Brett go ahead and ha- Brett and I go head to head with our favorite bets of the week. Whoever has the best month buys a six pack for the other gentleman, which is usually me. I've won this contest two years running. Uh, I am going to start off this season with the following five bets for one pint each. I've, I've got to be true to who I am. Chelsea pool over 10.5 corners plus 100. Let's go. Uh, United minus one and a half, minus 110, which is as much uh, against Wolves as it is for United. Holland scores and City scores over 1.5 goals at minus 125. Spurs and Brentford under 2.5 goals, plus 105. And just as a little surprise to you, just so I have a little dagger in my boot for the next you know seven, eight months, I'm going to take my, take my last pint and I'm going to put it on City to win the league at minus 135. It's not going to pay off until May, Brett. You're going to have to think about it the entire year. I've got this one sneaky little pint that's going to linger this entire time, but it's going to be the difference at the end. You mark my words. Uh, well, I didn't know we were doing futures, so we're going we're gonna to have a new, we're going to have a little addition. I'm going to go through my sheet right here and figure out which bet is coming off the board. That one here. R- riveting podcasting. Here we, cr- cross here we go. Here we go. We're crossing. Out, it's not even a visual medium, so you don't even get the delight of me taking my pen across the paper unless this makes our cutout. Uh, but no, well, it I'm definitely take, is. I mean, it's it so does, good. It has this to be is our, our video breakout. cutout. Yeah, it has me to be. crossing things off my notebook paper. That's um, our entire company moving forward. It's just you crossing things off a notebook paper. be a trailer. While on mute extra- on podcast. It's going to be great. <laughs> Just do it at 2x speed, true to podcast. Um, no, I'm going to take Brentford at plus 325 to win in both teams to score at, for one pint. Uh, Liverpool at plus 140 to win. United minus one and a half and minus 120 for a pint. Uh, United, the clean sheet win at plus 110 for a pint. And then Brighton plus 650 to finish top four. Play in, pipe in the seagull sound effects. They're flying towards you, Toby. Oh, They're flying God. towards you in May. That's what's going to happen. Just like a seagull, you're attracted to trash. <laughs> that, I right. mean, that was so easy. I mean, I, I, you had to do it, but I'm going to say that that was so far out there. It was anybody could have done it. Uh, well, that is basically what people describe my podcasting style. I was like, hey, I like him because <laughs> it makes it clear that anybody could do it. Do a podcast. Accessible. Uh, I feel uh, the same way. Imposter syndrome runs strong in this network. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we are obviously super excited to be back. I know we kept you a little long because we want to talk about the entire season. We'll shorten it up next week as long as I can clip Brett's wings and get him to not talk about defenders scoring goals, which he didn't do this week, which I'm really proud of. And instead, he filled that space with the single dumbest pick I've seen, which is Burnley over Manchester City in the opening game. I cannot. Uh, No, just Burnley covering the spread. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Burnley covering the spread. Not how I remember. Actually, you had Burnley minus one and a half. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's how I remember this. Yeah. Uh, all right. We will be back next week with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Enjoy the openers, everyone. Take care, y'all. Yeah.